from Infinite Guest, this is Top Score, a conversation with composers who write music for video games. I'm Emily Reese. Composer Chris Velasco wrote a score inspired by the French Revolution. This gave Chris and I a chance to geek out on exactly what was happening in classical music at that time. And we spoke about how that transition helped him to write just the right music for Assassin's Creed Dead Kings. Also, his cat says hi at the end. So let's go ahead and talk about Assassin's Creed. You've worked with other huge franchises before, but this is your first game for Assassin's Creed, right? Yeah, I was really excited to get the call for this one. Yeah, because you're you've played them, right? Yeah, n- not all of them, but um, I have definitely played them, um, especially the first few that that came out. I just got busy, and I went through really a couple of years where I didn't play much of anything. I was just so swamped and. Games don't really relax me. I, I get into them too much. So at night when I just needed to chill out after, a, you know, like 12 hours of writing, gaming just for a while was kind of the last thing I wanted to do. Um, so I did miss a few of the, the Assassin's Creed games, but I'm trying to get through Unity right now so that I can... Because you can't play Dead Kings like right from the beginning. You have to get through at least part of Unity, I believe. So the Assassin's Creed games are always based in some sort of significant time period, whether it's the Italian Renaissance, the American Revolution. What time period were you asked to cover in Dead Kings? This game takes place right after Unity ends, which was during the French Revolution. So we're still in that time period. So the the music has kind of a late Baroque, early classical influence to it. Did you listen to any special composers to kind of get in that headspace? Yeah, I mean, a, a ton of, of Baroque stuff. All the usuals, like Vivaldi. And Bach. And Handel and Telemann and... Just kind of just to sort of get that that sound in my in my ear again. I mean, I studied all this sort of baroque writing when I was at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And just haven't really had an opportunity to to visit that style um ever since then. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, it's not something that, you know, you hear every day like, "Oh, we want to score with, you know, some with a two-part invention." <laughs> um <laughs> But so that was a lot of fun to to revisit that. And, you know, I have to say the score isn't super steeped in Baroque styles, but we just wanted kind of the flavor of that a little bit. So it should sound more kind of contemporary orchestral writing with a bit of of Baroque instrumentation. Like uh, I used a lot of harpsichord, you know, on the action stuff. There was there's definitely like some cool little counterpoint stuff going on and definitely no perfect uh, fifths or octaves in unison um, in any of the voice leading. So my, my old (laughs) professors would be as proud as they can that I, that I'm, you know, working in video games. They weren't too hot on that idea when I was there, but maybe, (laughs) 
maybe now they can they can hold their their head up a little higher. That's hilarious because, of course, there are very strict rules when you're writing in that style. So what you're saying is you kind of took characteristics of that style and incorporated them into, you know, modern orchestration. So you mentioned the harpsichord. Arpeggiation and maybe maybe some sequencing, you know, just some of those those techniques. And I'll try and put some musical examples from that era in here too, and kind of reflect those against yours because I thought those were really nice touches. Oh yeah, that's gonna make my stuff sound great. Just put it right up against some Bach. And, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> That's hilarious. When you first started working on the music for this particular game, what kinds of things did go through your mind? What kinds of things did you know you wanted to include right away? Well, I had a, a long chat with Manu, who is the, the audio lead over there um, in Paris, and they were de- developing this game out of Montpellier, so I know he was making the, the trek over there a lot. But he told me that this particular game was going to be unlike any of the preceding ones just because of how dark it was. Like it's got the Marquis de Sade in there and then you're, you spend like half the game in the, in the catacombs under the city and it's just, it's just got this, this kind of heavy dark weight to the whole thing and he wanted the music to reflect that. I'm glad that the Assassin's Creed community has kind of given the, the thumbs up to the score so far, because I was a little worried, like, oh, is it going to be too dark? Are they going to really get what was going on? But once you once you play the game and see the, the locale, it, it all makes sense. When you were writing, what kinds of visuals did you have to, to base your music off of? Did you have just art, or did you get a little gameplay in there, too? No, they, uh, they were able to get me uh, some nice gameplay videos. Um, so I could really see what was going on, and um, that always, always helps. Have there been times, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but have there been times when you've had something written or, re- or you know, more or less set in stone in your mind, and then you've seen gameplay video and you're like, that is never going to work? Uh, all the time. <laughs> and usually it's <laughs> it's once the game comes out and I'm playing it where I go, oh, God, what have I, what have I done? Come on. Uh, but that's the the risk you run when you don't get to see any of the visuals. You know, if you're just going off a description or artwork or um, I did a game out of Korea, uh, this particular one, I don't know, it was a few years ago, but they gave me all my direction, like, via graphs it was it was the craziest thing 
and even so much as like, okay, the intro will be precisely 17 seconds long, and then using this key at this tempo, you'll you'll do this. And and yeah, they had all these these graphs laid out and and timelines, and um, that was for me really hard to kind of find my creative bubble to work on something like that. But but yeah, seeing the game or even getting to play the game. I didn't play the the game this time. Um, that wasn't an option for us, but gameplay video is almost as good. mentioned harpsichord in the background, and I do hear that plinking away, and I love it. It's one of my favorite instruments. What are some other instruments you chose to highlight? I heard some really great things, but I want to see that if I put you on the spot, you'll mention them. (laughs) So what what kinds of other sounds do you remember? Well, I got to use some things that, that I really, at least in games, I haven't had the opportunity to, and that is woodwinds. Yes. Um, specifically low ones. Like, uh, so we recorded the score with a small uh, chamber orchestra, uh, just strings and, and winds. But I had this like amazing bassoon player who also doubled on contra, uh, which is a just such a great sound. And those things are huge. They, they just look so amazing. I, I love them. Contra bassoon, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I had clarinet and bass clarinet, and I used flute and alto and bass flute as well. Um, so for me, that was a lot of fun because in games, usually, you know, you're recording, it's it's all strings mm-hmm. and brass. And I mean, for the longest time, I felt like, God, I'm going to have to go back to school and, and learn how to write for wins again because I was just getting no practice at all. Just games just never wanted it. And and then fortunately, the last couple of years, uh, I've been able to start sneaking them in. wind section as well it just helps so much even if you can't necessarily pick out like oh that's an oboe um you would miss it if it was gone it's just such a a nice color that that blends with everything else yeah i noticed that wind writing and i just loved it and i loved that it's almost like you you give you know you gave the clarinet and the bassoon and the contra bassoon and the bass clarinet their own chance to be heard too it's like there are these little solos that pop up throughout the soundtrack that are really pleasant. Oh, thank you. Um, So was that the instrument you were talking about? Yeah, I had clarinet, bassoon, and bass clarinet written down. I didn't write down contrabassoon, so I guess I missed that one, but... Yeah, and I I thought for some reason I had more contra 
parts written because um, he you know the player lugs this big old thing into the studio and then I had one little section for it so when we finished the score we went back through and, and found some more spots because he just wanted to play it too he's like oh man I never get to play this um, so we found some more spots and um, quickly wrote them in and uh, did another pass of, of Contra on a few tracks and it, it was such a cool sound I, I'm definitely going to use it in other things What's it like to join, and this is something that happens to, I think, video game composers often. I'm sure it happens in TV and film all the time, too. What's it like to join a franchise after so many titles have already come out? Is there something intimidating or challenging about it? Or do you just try and just do your own thing and not even think about it? Uh, I think at first it's definitely intimidating. Not in the way of like, oh, how am I going to, how am I ever going to live up to, to what these guys did? But more concerned about like well what will the millions of fans think uh because you know they can be like quite passionate and territorial about things those are good words for it (laughs) (laughs) so if there's a big change like you know oh my god there's a new composer you know that at least online i mean sometimes it it can cause quite an uproar yes and so that's what i worry about that i just sort of won't be accepted as as the new guy um, so I feel like there's some additional like hoops I need to put myself through just to kind of cater to them. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's really the, the client that they chose me for a reason. And I just want to make them happy and I want to be happy with my own work. So I just kind of do my thing and um, hope for the best. And you mentioned earlier there has been some positive feedback from the fans. Yeah, th- when the f- game first came out, or, and when the soundtrack was released on iTunes, you know, I of course did the thing that I was telling myself I won't do, but I, you know, I spent a little time online with the Google, and uh, you know, it's just seeing like, oh, are people saying anything? What are they saying? Do they yeah. like it? Do they hate it? Yeah. And yeah, everything was really great reviews. People, people seem to be uh, legitimately liking the score, and that's just a, it's a great feeling. One of the kind of, I guess, most interesting things for me as a player of Assassin's Creed is all the variety, really, of things that you can do. You can go look at things, you can climb things, you can do missions, side quests, all these kinds of things. Does that come into account for you as you're writing a score, just how much freedom the player has in their choices, generally speaking? Well, that is all kind of handled on the developer side with, mm. with the implementation. Oh, I see. And I definitely keep that in mind. You know, I am a gamer myself, so I know what I like to hear when I'm walking around and and what, and even more important, what annoys me music-wise. And, and so I try to always write in a way where if I know that uh, the audio engine is, is going to be able to take advantage of stems and kind of elongate the music a bit. I, I always want it to remain interesting. Like I try to make each layer of, of the piece have its its own thing where it could 
hold up on its own because sometimes it it will the way that the game plays it but then also all work together but never never in a way that's that gets annoying like i have this rule here before i check off a piece is being done and, and send it off i i'll finish it i'll load it up in my sequencer and i'll just put it on a loop and i'll let it play And then I'll walk around and I'll do other stuff. Like I'll, I'll play it pretty loud so I can hear it all over the house. But I'll, I'll go, you know, do some dishes. I'll go water the plants. I'll, you know, just walk around doing anything. And if the music kind of blends into the background and and I stop noticing it, then I know that it, it's successful. But it's a great way to hear like one thing that you thought, oh, this is such a, a clever little idea. I'll do this in here. But once you hear that that same clever idea, like five, six, seven, eight times, um, it can really start sticking out, and you just grow to hate it. Um, <laughs> so sometimes it's sad, and I have to pull something out that I was so happy with. But I just never want the player to to be like, "God, what is that sound?" So that's kind of my my methodology for a. Uh, creating loops that, that work in the game for exploration and stuff. You know, I will tell you what my my very favorite cue is. Please. Turns out I'm not alone. It's the one that, that most people kind of refer to when they're mentioning the score. And it was kind of the one moment in the whole score that, that had some light to it. Uh, it was called The Hidden Temple. So that you know, the rest of the score it's very, very dark. I mean, there's, it does have its melodic moments, but there's, um, you know, the scene towards the end of the game. I, I won't, you know, do too many spoilers. Oh my God, hold on, Jasmine. Uh, say hi to Jasmine. I can hear her saying hi in the back. <laughs> she was <laughs> biting the strings on an instrument. Oh my God. This is, okay, hold on. Get down right now. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so the hidden temple. Yeah, your character, you're, you're below ground, but you find this like hidden city, and there's this cool sort of weapon that you find also that that does neat things. It's very kind of I don't know when I when I saw the gameplay of it. Um, I was my first thought was Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, and kind of when you you find the um, you know the Ark for the first time and, and it has this great super memorable theme and um, and there's there's just this power you know you I don't know how else to describe it really but that was kind of the vibe that I got from this one scene in the game and and then they told me oh yeah go you know you could do this this nice big you know, sweeping melody here, and and this should really be just all about like awe and power, and um, and so that's what I I tried to do in, in that theme, and it yeah, unfortunately the the cue is so short. I would love to do 
kind of a, a concert arrangement, make it a little longer and yeah. have that performed at some point. That would be awesome. Well, very, very great job again on this music. Super awesome music. And I look forward very much to sharing this with everybody. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to Top Score from Infinite Guest. You can learn more about composer Chris Velasco and see a full playlist from this episode at infiniteguest.org. Top Score's production assistants are Pierce Huxtable and Nina Potok. Mark Hintz mixes each episode. Top Score is supported in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts, Artworks. Follow Top Score on Twitter and Facebook at Top Score Podcast. That's Top Score. I'm Emily Reese.